Okay, good morning. Come on in and have a seat. If you could move sort of towards the front of the class. You guys want to maybe move up a little? You stragglers in the back there. The last name Myers and Nichols. So welcome to our third class during which we're going to be reviewing question two and then learning question three. I'll pray in a minute. And then we'll get started. I was going to tell you, though, that a couple things. One is I have an ear infection. So my ears for the last week and a half, I don't know if you've ever had that, have been plugged up. So it's, it feels like there's water sloshing around in my, in my head. But then every once in a while they pop. And when they pop, I get really dizzy, which is kind of weird. And then um, so if you see me sort of, you know, I'm not inebriated. And then if um, and then yesterday I played basketball and uh, and I think I did something to my rotator cuff of my shoulder because when I woke up this morning, I could not I couldn't raise my arm, you know, that way or uh, or forward. So I started uh, enough. So I anyway, so it's loosened up. It's loosened up. So I'm just thinking, I use my hands a lot, so I'm just thinking this could make for like a visible spectacle today. I like just one, one arm is going to be going and then I'm getting dizzy. So that's the explanation, yeah, behind that. So let's, uh, well, let me ask this. Let's get started with this and then I'll pray. If you know it, let's, let's say it together. Question one, what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Good way to start. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks for this time to think about these truths that you have given us through your word. So help us, God, to memorize, help us to not merely memorize, but learn who you are and what you've done for us. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin with review again. Question two, what is God? Let's say it together. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in His power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through Him and by His will. Alright, now let's do this. Middle school or younger, can you stand up and say this loudly and proudly? Anyone? Anyone? Any volunteers? Joshua, what is God? Nice job, Josh. There you go, your official gum supplier. Anyone else? 
Middle school or younger. Wesley, what is God? Loud and proud. Okay, now I have a shoulder injury. And you're really far back, so this could go this could go bad. This is gonna have to be all wrist. Alright? This is gonna look weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other kiddos? What? Not that you're a kiddo, Wes. What is God? Anyone else? It's for gum. Yeah, tell the story. Very cool. Okay, anyone else? Avery, you don't want to try? All right. Okay. What a good summary. Question two. What a good summary of the essence of God. I have a couple questions for you. Just again, as we briefly review this question. Who wants to take a stab at this? First, what is the difference between eternal and infinite? What is the difference between eternal and infinite? Tom? Which one? Okay. Okay. Now, eternal is specifically referring to time. God is eternal. He has no beginning. has no end. Different from us. We have a beginning. No beginning and no end. Infinite is, as Tom said, zero limits zero boundaries we're talking time we're talking space we're talking power we're talking all of it zero limitations he is eternal infinite and then he's unchangeable he's immutable his power perfection goodness glory wisdom justice truth and then this last phrase so important nothing happens except through him and by his will. So I'm curious, second and last question about this question. That last phrase, is there anyone here who would be willing to share a personal comfort that comes from knowing that? For you, a personal comfort, a way that has been personally comforting, that nothing happens except through God and by His will. Anyone? Nick. Anyone else? Jeff. 
Patrick. I would share that that almost that same aspect of this has been comforting for me. Not just that. I used to think that certain things were through God and by His will. Namely things that I enjoyed and wanted to happen in my life. And so there were certain things that I would call divine interruptions. But, but this helped me understand that everything is a divine interruption. And so for someone who likes to control you know, his circumstances and someone who likes to try and control his schedule and control his routine and control his environment and is often uh, tempted to be upset or frustrated or irritated or disappointed when things come in from the outside and derail that and interrupt that. I have to understand that if I'm getting frustrated now, my frustration is ultimately with the Lord. Because everything that happens to me is, is from his hand. And of course, we could add to that for our good. So one more. James, did you want to share something? You said an animal story? Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, James. Okay, let's begin learning our next question together. How many persons are there in God? Let's say this answer together. There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance equal in power and glory. And then I'll read the highlighted portion there for the little kids. There are 
three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is question three. Let's make sure we understand what it is teaching us. So let me give you some scriptures and then we'll post this handout tomorrow if you wanted to look them up on your own. But write them down if you like. Let's find the biblical origin of this question and answer. Remember... All of these answers that we're going to be learning together originate in God's Word. So Deuteronomy 6.4, the, the first part here is there are three persons in the one true and living God. As Christians, we believe that, that we're monotheistic. We believe there is one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was one of the things that set the Israelites apart from other pagan peoples, is that they believed in one God. One God who is true, not false God, and living. Not dead and inactive, but living. He is the true and living God. Where is that in Scripture? Many places, but Jeremiah Chapter 10, verse 10 says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. So we have one. We believe in one true and living God. There are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are the same in substance, equal in power, and in glory. So let me read you some of the Scriptures that draw out this doctrine of the Trinity. Many of you know this, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But the truth of the Trinity is found in the Bible. That there is one God and only one God. And He exists in three persons. I think it was as early as the second century that the term Trinity, I believe by Tertullian, was the first one to use it. So we've been using that term for a long time simply to identify, shorthand, to identify a truth that's found in God's Word. So is this true? Is there one God who exists in three persons? Let me read you some of the text 2 Corinthians 13 14 I think this is the one that's that's the catechism uses the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all so you heard God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 is a, a well-known text where you see all three persons of the Trinity in these two verses. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending. I lost my place like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom 
I am well pleased. First Peter. Chapter one, verses one and two. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So there you have these, these at least three personalities, these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But is, is the Father God? Is the Son God? Is the Holy Spirit God? Does the Bible teach that? Let me give you some other texts. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, which is another term for the Son of God who became Jesus, came to earth as Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So there's the Word, there's the Son of God with God in the beginning, and not only was He with Him, and the Word, remember what it says? Was God. So there's the Son of God with God, and He is God. John 17, 5. In Jesus' high priestly prayer. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Here's an interesting one in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. This is quite a story. You guys remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They come in and they're, they're dishonest about their real estate gains, basically. Don't ever be dishonest about your real estate gains. It was more than that. There's more to it than that. But it was, a, it was a pretty steep consequence. Do you remember what the consequence was? God made them salt. Right? No, no, no. They just, that was a different story. That's a different story. They dropped, they dropped, that would have been kind of cool though. They dropped dead. They just dropped dead right there. Let me read the, but, but here's something interesting to hear. But Peter said, this was after Ananias had said, yeah, we've given everything, everything that we made to God. We've given it all. And he was actually holding some back. And then his wife was in cahoots with him. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So Peter says, who's he lying to? You're lying to the Holy Spirit right now. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to... He doesn't say the Holy Spirit. To God. So it's the same thing. Lying to the Holy Spirit, according to Peter, is lying to who? It's lying to God. So again, this is what the early church fathers were doing, right? They're, they're taking these truths in the Bible and trying to make sense of it and trying to, to, to understand what it is that the Bible's teaching about the essence of God, about the, about the character of God, about the quality of God. So here's what we find that there are, and this was in one of the commentaries with this catechism written by Kevin DeYoung. I mean, he identifies these 
but they've been around a long time. There are, are seven statements, you could say, that go into the doctrine of the Trinity. Because when we say we believe in the Trinity, we're saying seven things. And here they are. Number one, God is one. There is only one God. So when we start talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, well, wait, do you believe there's three gods? No. No. We believe there is one God. Number two, the Father is God. Number three, the Son is God. Number four, the Holy Spirit is God. There's three more things. Number five, the Father is not the Son. Number six, the Son is not the Spirit. And number seven, the Spirit is not the Father. Pretty wild, right? One plus one plus one equals one. That's the Trinity. Similar, not the same, similar to a husband and wife who, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So husband and wife, the Bible says, is one plus one equals one. So there's some weird math going on in the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me quote you from Kevin DeYoung's commentary. Christians are monotheists. We don't believe in many gods or a pantheon of gods, but just one God. And this one God expresses himself and exists as three persons. I hope no one is on a device in the back of that room right now. That language of persons is very important. The early church wrestled with the appropriate language and persons aptly, so, so why persons? And persons aptly speaks to the personality of the three members of the Trinity and also their relationship with each other. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit co-inhere as one essence and yet there are distinctions. One is not the other, but they're equal in rank, equal in power, equal in glory, equal in majesty. Just as Jesus sends out the disciples to go baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we see this doctrine of the Holy Trinity woven throughout the Scriptures. The one plus one plus one equals one. There's all kinds of metaphors that you've heard some of them that Christians have come up with over the years, and inevitably all of them, all of them break down. But you've heard like the, what the water, yeah, H2O, liquid, and then in ice, and then in vapor, right? The vapor is obviously which person? The Holy Spirit, right? God the Father is obviously ice. And then the sun is the, the, the river. But all of them are H2O. I even heard one pastor describe the Trinity and compare it to chicken wings. And you had like like hot and then spicy and then extra spicy. So Christians have for a long time tried to figure out metaphors to, you know, to, to grasp at. And I would just I would discourage you from doing that. You, you really can't. You can't do that. There is nothing that this that this compares to. So here are some, uh, as well, important things that this doctrine means for us. We're always thinking about that. 
right? Every doctrine, you should ask yourself, so what? So what? So, so what are the implications of that? What does that mean for, about God? What does that, what, does that, what does that mean for us? So here are a few things, again, identified in the commentary attached to the New City Catechism. One thing is that the Trinity helps us to understand how there can be unity in diversity. So some people today focus almost exclusively on diversity, on the fact that people are so different, they don't see any common ground. Others want to press for complete uniformity in thought and government and expression. But the Trinity, the Trinity shows us that you can have a profound, real, organic unity with diversity so that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working, for example, in complete union in our salvation. Diverse, three persons, but working in complete union in our salvation. The Father appoints those whom He will save. The Son accomplishes their salvation. And the Spirit applies. And so we encounter God as fully God in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And yet their divine work is neither interchangeable nor redundant. And then one more, one more important thing that we glean from this that is, is important. And of course, there's, there's many others. But another one is the eternality of love. How many of you have thought about this or heard this before? The eternality of love. So what this means is that if God exists in three persons and God is love, then God has always been loving. And there is love that for eternity past has been flowing, that has been going back and forth between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are each the object of one another's love. Why is that important? Well, here is why that is important. Because there, has, there have been those who, who have said things like, God, who is a God of love, created people so that he could have someone to love. As if before Adam and Eve, there, were, there was no place for God's love to go. So God, God needed us then. That, that was the point in creating us. And you've heard all the lines of teaching that might go along with that. I remember even hearing an argument that God created people because he was lonely. I mean, he'd been existing for a really long time. Forever. And he'd had enough of that. He was, he was just alone and, and sad and depressed. No one to talk to. You know, no... Other things we could say there, but that's not true. That's not true. God is love, and God has been, for eternity past, God has been loving. This is love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God did not have to go outside Himself to love. And when you have a triune God, you have fully this God who is love. A couple more scriptures. And then we'll, we'll review this together. Colossians 2.9. This is talking about Christ. For in Him, the whole 
fullness of deity dwells bodily. I won't pretend that I totally understand what that verse is saying. I think that's one of those verses that we'll be understanding forever. But it clearly speaks to the Godness of Jesus Christ. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then finally, Jude 24 and 25. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ. Who's our Savior in that one? God the Father. God the Father. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And verse after verse after verse after verse And so you have the church reading all these verses and and saying, "Okay, what is this saying about God? It is clearly saying that there is one God and he exists in three persons. Okay, so let's review this. Question three, and then let's say it together twice and then I'll close us in prayer. Here's our question to memorize this week. How many persons... Are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. One more time. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, thank you as you continue to teach us by your Holy Spirit through your word. We ask that you would continue to do this. I'm thinking especially for those in this room who are younger and many to whom these truths are new. God, we ask that these would not just be words on a screen. We ask that these would not just be words on a page. We would we would ask that these would not just be things that we memorize for prizes. God, it is our prayer that this truth would be written deeply on our hearts. That through this understanding, you would reveal yourself to us. And that as you are revealed to us in all your power and perfection, in all your goodness and glory, in all your wisdom and your justice and your truth, that our hearts would be ignited to love you. To worship you. To love your word. To love obedience. To love your people. And to love all people. 
And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.